It is hard to argue against the idea that the world is built upon connection. From the tiniest atoms to nature and even technology, everything in our world depends on its relationship to others. Studies into human relationships tell the incredible story of the power of connection. Positive, healthy human relationships are linked to better mental and physical health outcomes. In today's busy world, we are asked to connect to others on a regular basis, and yet there is often little understanding of the vast impacts our interactions have. Welcome to Season 2 of NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness, where we dive into some of the most common, as well as a few overlooked, relationships we experience in a lifetime. I'm your host, Tracy Lehman, and I am honored to be a part of your day. Let's get into today's episode. In my experience as an attachment and couples therapist, one thing I know for sure is if someone doesn't feel heard or seen by you, true communication stops. We cannot hear when we don't feel heard, and we cannot understand from a posture of defensiveness or persuasion. While this season we focus on relationship dynamics in all forms, today we'll start with a truly unique relationship, the therapeutic relationship, or the therapeutic alliance as it is more professionally known. Choosing to divulge your most vulnerable parts to a complete stranger takes a lot of courage. It also takes a lot of willingness to be vulnerable with ourselves and be willing to hear and do hard things. It makes sense that in this situation, forming a trusting, safe connection with a therapist is paramount. In fact, research has proven time and time again, it is the most important factor in therapeutic success. So how do we find the right therapist and how do we make sure we feel safe and respected in this sensitive dynamic. Here to discuss this and more is NFCC's former clinical director, Audrey Omenson. Audrey Omenson has worked as a licensed professional counselor in the Houston area since 2009. Currently, she sees clients in her private practice where her work is focused on supporting adults and teens ages 16 and up who are looking to process major life transitions, address trauma, deal with burnout and boundary setting, increase self-awareness, and improve self-care practices. Audrey was also part of the NFCC team for seven years, serving as a counselor and clinical director before stepping down to serve as a consultant in October of 2021. In addition to her several years of experience as a counselor, Audrey has also been on the client side of things and participated in therapy for herself at various points in her life. I can't wait to dive in. Welcome, Audrey. Thanks, Tracy. Yeah. So as I mentioned in your bio, you have experience sitting on both sides of the therapeutic relationship, Mm -hmm. as do I. I think Mm -hmm. many of us therapists probably do. (laughs) Um, Can you share a little bit about your therapeutic journey as a client and how it's informed your practice as a clinician? Sure. Yeah. So I had never been in counseling for myself until I was maybe halfway through my graduate degree to become a counselor. (laughs) But I remember thinking, hey, this is this thing that I want to do with other people. And also at the time, there's a lot of uh, very stressful things happening in my personal life as well. And I went and just found a counselor. It was someone that 
a lot of people that I worked with knew. And so that was kind of how I initially found that person was just word of mouth and they were nearby and it was convenient. And that's all I had time to do was just like find the most conveniently available person. And that was that. And even though I was in school studying counseling, it was still a little daunting to figure out like any more of a search beyond just, oh, here's this person that I sort of know felt really overwhelming. And that was even for me as a student studying all of this sort of stuff and everything. But um, so I did that for about a year, year and a half, and then stopped, kind of got to a point where I was feeling pretty good and pretty stable. That was maybe 12, 13 years ago, and then had a break for several years. And then about five years ago, decided to start it up again. Just another layer of things had happened in my life, and I felt like I would benefit from that support. And I went back actually to that same therapist that I had seen several years before I met with her once. And even though she was a great support for me and exactly what I needed at the time when I first saw her, when I saw her again, 10 years later, when I was in a really different place, that fit wasn't there. And so that was actually really interesting. Uh, I really liked her and I knew that she had done some good work with me before, but eight, nine years later, it wasn't a good fit. Just her style and what I was really looking for and needing support in just didn't fit as well with her style as a therapist and nothing negative about her. It was just, I needed something different. So that's when I had to actually do more of a search on my own. And even as a therapist, it was still really hard to find a therapist. So like, if you feel like it's overwhelming, that's not a problem with you. It's tough to find someone that is a good fit. Yeah. So I found someone, worked with them again, and then um, took a break for about two years. And then last year decided I wanted to restart it again. And I knew I specifically wanted a different type of support just because there's a different type of thing that I was really needing help in. And uh, so I found a different therapist. So I've actually worked with three different therapists in my adult life, and they were all great and all what I needed, depending on the season of my life. And that was what really benefited and supported me throughout all of that. Yeah. It's so interesting because I found I've been in therapy, gosh, a long time, probably started uh-huh. in college and start and stop, same as you get what I need or get something and then leave or whatever happens. Sometimes there's a rift. Yep. Sometimes there's a an issue that doesn't get repaired, right? Um, we know as yep. therapists. And then once you're a therapist and you have to find another therapist, but you know what they're all doing, it, you even, <laughs> you're even more critical. It's even harder, I've found. But yeah, I think it's so interesting, but also important that awareness that what do I need? Is this person a fit? Yep. And then if they are a fit, still checking in and being like, are they still a fit? Right? Because we all yep. have different skills and expertise and, and that's okay. That's okay Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. need to move on from someone, even though you enjoy them or care about them deeply, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one thing that is tough for people who aren't therapists in trying to find someone. They might know, hey, this feels off or this doesn't feel like a good fit, but I'm not, I don't really know necessarily what all the options are, right? Like as a therapist, I know, oh, there's a lot of different styles. There's a lot of different things that help you work through different types of issues and all of that. And so I knew a little bit more what to look for and what I knew that helps me hone in on that. But I know for people who aren't therapists, right? Like you're not in the fields, it can be feel really daunting. And I know I've heard from some clients too, even just like, I wasn't sure if it was just my issue, like me not connecting with the therapist or I don't know. And I don't know what kinds of questions to ask. So it can, I know it can feel pretty overwhelming for people who aren't therapists 
to step into that world and not even be entirely sure what to even ask. But I mean, even for me as a therapist, it was still yeah. tough sometimes and felt a little overwhelming. It's a little bit like dating, except just really expensive because you also have to pay for your <laughs> sessions. So <laughs> yeah, although dating can be yeah. expensive. <laughs> yes. <Dan. laughs> but yeah, I think not as expensive probably as um, therapy. And, you know, so many, so few therapists are able to take insurance these days or just yep. don't want to mm-hmm. deal with that process. It's, it's, it's hard. It's daunting. And then the really yeah. good ones can be real pricey. Or you think, or even really just, or even just like, I mean, there's the physical, like monetary cost, but there's also the time, mental, emotional effort and energy and time, right? I mean, going and doing a first session with someone's like, hey, let me like hash out my whole life story with you and like share all the, you know, that's not an emotionally neutral thing, especially if you're needing therapy, right? Usually mm-hmm. people are seeking that out when, something's feeling difficult or they're needing support in something and there's more emotions going on. And so that takes a lot of emotional energy to do that. And, you know, to have to do that with three different therapists, right? Like trying to find the right one, you know, that sort of thing that can be pretty draining. Yeah. 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 I, I know lots of people who, if their therapists are retiring or if they need to switch therapists for some reason, something that comes up a lot. is So I have to rehash all of my stuff I already told you to somebody yeah. else. Yeah. And I know that can be really hard. But it's also something I like to tell people is when you do that, when you rehash everything, even though it's painful and hard, every time we uh, access memories, every time we access things, we we learn something new. Mm-hmm. Right. We create something new in that and we create tolerance to being able to access that. So yep. it's therapeutic in itself to have to yep. connect in that way and try that vulnerability, develop some security around being able to tell your story, you know. So yep. while things are daunting, I always like to offer that reframe because I know it's hard, but it also can be really helpful. And that awareness piece that I'd mentioned earlier, kind of knowing what you need and being aware of if you're getting what you need. And we're about to go into a question on this, but like for me personally in therapy, I'm a pretty sensitive, as you know, because you worked with me for a long time as my wonderful director and supervisor, that I am pretty sensitive to judgment and criticism. And I like to be doing a good job. And so if I get a sense of judgment, I have some choices there, right? If I'm in therapy and I'm telling a story and I feel judged for whatever reason, I can either call the therapist out and say, I'm feeling judged right now, right? Or, right, sometimes it's hard. It really depends, yeah, on that alliance. And then the other option is to leave and not go back and find someone else. And I think I've done both in my therapeutic journey because I've had – quite a few. I've probably had about Mm -hmm. five different ones. So awareness is so important that knowing yourself, what factors do you think are the most important to have in a therapeutic relationship? And what red flags might someone need to look out for? Sure. So it's interesting because a therapist and a client, that is a type of relationship, right? That's why we're talking about it in this series. And at the same time, it's always kind of funny because it's there's clients that I've worked with for years and I've heard all of these things about their life and know about all these milestones and all this other stuff. And when we're done working together, I mean, I might run into them in a store someday or whatever, but I'm not part of their life after the therapy 
process ends, right? So it's there's like a very natural, real part of the relationship. And there's also this separation and compartmentalization, which I think is a really important part of therapy, right? Like part of the therapy piece that's so important is like, hey, here's this separate place from the rest of my life where I can say whatever I want without any repercussions and any of my other, you know, relation. It's not like I'm saying it to my friend or my spouse or a parent or something like that, um, where there are repercussions for what I say. Like I can say it in this totally separate space. So that's part of the therapeutic piece of all of it. And they're not like a friend or a family member where they're going to be around forever either. And so it's just an interesting combination of both of those things together. But just like with any other relationship, one of the most important things is that you feel comfortable and that you feel heard by your therapist. And just like with friends or someone you're dating, you don't have to have this list of like, well, here's five things they did wrong. And that's the justification I need to decide that I can change therapists. It could just be like, yeah, it just feels kind of off, right? Like I tried two or three sessions with this person and I just, and maybe that's the only feeling or reason that you have. That is enough. That's enough. And I always make a point in my first sessions with clients to tell them like, hey, at any point, if this feels off or you just aren't feeling it and you want a different therapist or whatever, right? Like bring it up. That doesn't hurt my feelings. I will help you find somebody else that could potentially be a better fit than me. And so a good therapist will be one who doesn't take that sort of thing personally, and they will support you in the process of finding somebody different, right? So a thing to look for, feeling comfortable and relaxed and heard by this person, and also someone who seems very open and comfortable with you having questions about what they're doing, or even if you decide you want to see somebody else, they're very understanding and open about that. Red flags would be a therapist that's defensive or that gets kind of prickly or weird whenever you bring up questions about, hey, I'm curious about how you handle this. Or if I feel uncomfortable or want to change therapist, if this doesn't feel like a good fit, do you offer your clients referrals and help them find somebody different? Like You can ask that as an upfront question just to get a read on how they respond to that sort of a thing. And if they're acting weird about it, well, then that's a pretty good flag right then to maybe find somebody different. But if they're very open and understanding, like, hey, yeah, absolutely. Like if I'm not a good fit, I keep a list of referrals. I'm happy to share them with you of other therapists that I know do good work. Then that's a great green flag, right? And so those are a few with that piece. I'd also say a therapist that is open to feedback, right? Like as a client, you don't have to know how therapy needs to go, right? So it's not your job to know if they're doing everything exactly right. It's more about checking in with yourself and noticing when you have questions, practicing asking the questions about why they're doing certain things, or if you feel like something that you're really wanting to address isn't being addressed, practicing bringing that up. And again, looking for therapists that pay attention to how they respond to those moments, right? Just like with a friendship or any other kind of relationship, look for someone who wants to know how you're feeling and not someone who gets defensive or upset or weird whenever you express how you're feeling about something in terms of that relational dynamic. And then I'd also say just in that initial search process, look for people who are comfortable explaining how they do therapy, 
are open answering questions, especially in that very first intake session, the very first time you meet with them. Some counselors offer a consult over the phone before they meet with you. That usually happens more in private practice. Uh, In larger agencies, they usually can't do that just because of the way the whole workflow system is set up. But in a larger agency, administrative staff should be able to answer a lot of your questions. And then in that very first session with the therapist, have your own questions for them. And same with private practice, right? If they do a phone consult or something beforehand, have your list of questions. Same with that intake session. And look for a therapist who seems open and excited about the fact that you have questions and you want to engage and all this other stuff. And again, defensiveness, they're acting weird or shut down or responding in ways that make you feel like you're wrong or being too needy or whatever with any mm-hmm. of your questions. Then those are like yellow and red flags of like, uh, this person may not be a good fit. Yeah. For me. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Everything you said, a couple things that kind of stood out to me was recognizing that therapists are human beings too. So they have limitations, yeah. right? Yep. And mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of high achievers that maybe haven't done their own therapeutic work and are really good in certain areas, but have a hard time admitting when other areas maybe aren't their expertise even though that's something we work on a lot in as therapists and supervision and when we're in training, it's recognizing that maybe what you need isn't my expertise. And so be, they have to be willing to identify that. So if somebody's like, oh, yeah, I can work with that. I remember there was a therapist that I was working with and something really big came up and I could see and I've had that experience as a therapist, therapist too, this deer in headlights position. And so I asked if they felt like they could work with this and they weren't really clear about it, whether they could or couldn't. But that's something I've become aware of in myself, that if I experience deer in headlights, I really have to have the awareness to check in as a therapist. So for therapists listening, check in with myself and see, is this something I can handle? What am I reacting to here? And also sometimes as human beings, we have hard days too, and maybe we are reactive. And so another piece of that is accountability. There was an instance where I maybe did have a reaction to a client. And after I had time to process what was happening, I was able to apologize and say that wasn't the therapist I wanted to be in the room at that moment. And I'm not sure what was happening there, but I want to apologize for that. And I want to process that and offer you time to tell me how you feel and That's really important. Somebody who is also self-aware, right? And somebody who can say, this isn't my area um, or this isn't, I could try to do this, but I really think you would benefit from somebody who this is really their specialty. And here are some names. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, therapists are going to make mistakes. I know I have, uh, sometimes it's not even like a bad reaction. It might just be like, I thought we were maybe going in one way. And so I brought something up, but then that didn't land. And so then we can like openly acknowledge that and process it and then shift gears. But yeah, the willingness to own when you make a mistake, ask questions, all of that as the therapist. So looking for some of those qualities with the person that you're working with. And then also, again, giving yourself permission to advocate for what you need. And again, As a client, you don't have to feel the responsibility of doing that all the time. And good therapists will check in with you too, right? And so, and you can even ask for that, right? Like you can even say like, sometimes I feel nervous bringing up when I have like 
questions about some things. So it'd be helpful if you could like ask and check in with me periodically like that. You, you could even toss that out early on. And that's a very reasonable thing to ask a therapist for is some support mm. with that. Yeah. And I have a therapist I'm working with now who is really, really good about slowing down the process and checking in and seeing yeah. how things land. And I think that is yeah. so valuable. Actually learning more about how I want to be as a therapist from this therapist. So it feels like a really mm-hmm. nice fit right now. But understanding some tendencies, kind of things we're talking about, such as people pleasing, you know, something we talk about a lot in school and with under supervision is this imbalance of power that we're in a role of power with our clients. And, you know, it's important for both the client and the therapist to be able to discuss or acknowledge that role of power dynamics at play. So how can we best navigate concerns around power? And we've talked about that a little bit already, I think, from either side. Yeah, well, you know, I think one important thing is with the therapist, right? When you just walk in the room, there's this label of the power comes from the label of the therapist is the expert, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're the professional, kind of like a doctor or something like that. Oh, they're the professional and they know what to do and they can make these diagnostic decisions and all this other stuff about, you know, my life, right? So there's already some of that imbalance. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have to factor into some of the intersectional identities that might be going on. Also, maybe the therapist is male and the client is female, or maybe the therapist is white and the client is a person of color or, you know, like, and there might be other layers going on. Maybe the therapist is a lot older and the client's a lot younger or vice versa, right? Like there can be a lot of other layers going on that can shift those scales of the power dynamics that may be going on also. Uh, So a good therapist will be one that orients to the client and treats the client as the expert in their own life, right? Because the client is the one that's living their life. They're the one that has to be in their body and in their life and in their relationships. And while the therapist may challenge them sometimes or bring up some uncomfortable observations or like, Hey, I notice a certain pattern keeps showing up. Or I notice, um, like X, Y, Z, right? Like some of that may be uncomfortable and you want a therapist that'll give you some of that feedback sometimes, but it's important that the therapist does it in a way where you are still given the power to make the choice that you want to make with it in your life, right? Like they're not telling you what to do, outside of maybe like an emergency, right? If someone's life is in danger or there might be a child's safety at risk, whatever. Okay. A therapist might get more directive in those moments when it's a very specific safety issue. But outside of that very, very short list of things there, it's important that the client be the one that's empowered to make the choices that they need to make in their life. And that the therapist isn't the one, the wise one telling them all the things that they need to do in their life. Cause you know, therapist role is not advice giving. And so a therapist that sets themselves up as someone who gives advice and tells you how to live your life, that's a red flag. Yeah. I think when you read a lot of bios, a lot of therapists say collaborative, mm-hmm. that collaborative framework is what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So that's a word to look for. Because, yep. Yep. Because, you know, and I do um, emotionally focused couples therapy. And one of the things I really love about it that I use 
all over, not just with couples, is that check-in, is that I try to really connect to what this person is expressing and what might be going on. But then I always end with, is that right? I love that. I love that. Does that fit? You get to decide if something fits. The therapist's job is to be curious. The therapist's job is to try to learn and collaborate with you in making meaning and figuring out what that says about your life, what that says for you, what that, how that helps guide your next moves. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you and I have discussed trying several different therapists for our own personal journeys. Can you share about different relationships you've encountered and how you knew it was time for change? And also any advice on how to end a relationship with a therapist? Yeah. So yeah, I'd say I've had one experience where I stopped therapy because we had accomplished our goals, right? So it was like a clear like, hey, yeah, like this is feeling pretty good. We've just been meeting once a month. I feel like I'm doing I'm in a good spot. And so we actually had a last session together. That doesn't happen all the time. Usually, if clients are doing well, they just kind of fade off and stop scheduling. And that's just kind of how it happens. And that's great, right? But this particular time, that therapist that I was working with, we actually had a last session. And so that's also cool. And the few times I've done that with clients too, that's also really cool because and it's like, hey, let's recap. Like, what are you proud of? What's changed? What are you doing differently? And it feels very celebratory and all of that. And so that's ended in that way. And then I had another time with a therapist where I decided to stop working with them because um, I had a negative experience in a session and I just noticed that I wasn't feeling comfortable with them after the fact. And while I wish I could say that I went back and had a whole session with them to discuss why I was feeling uncomfortable, I didn't. I just emailed them and said like, hey, that I don't feel comfortable with how that last session ended and I'd like to take a break from therapy right now. And that's it. And that's all I said. It was just an email and that's it. And I decided not to meet with them anymore. And also, I mean, you don't owe them an explanation if you don't want to give them one. Like that's fine. You can make the choices you want to make. And I'll mm-hmm. usually encourage clients if it's at least something where they're like, ah, this feels off, right? We just aren't really working on stuff that like, I don't know, seems to align like, I'll usually encourage people like if it's something more medium like that, if you feel comfortable, you know, go and express that to them or maybe write them an email um, if it feels hard to do it in person and just express some of the frustration and ask if y'all can talk about that and see if maybe you like them as a therapist overall. You just don't really feel like y'all have been making the progress you want to make or aren't focusing on the stuff you want to focus on. Like express that, right? If it's someone that you like and you have some rapport with, again, good therapists will appreciate that and welcome that. And will shift gears to orient to what actually feels useful to you as a client. But then I know other people who have had experiences where like, yeah, they just don't feel very safe with that therapist anymore or just very comfortable and they don't really want to go revisit that. And that's absolutely fine to do. You have permission to make that call and you don't have to express anything to them if you don't want to. Right. Like that's your choice and you can make that decision there that you feel comfortable with. So Again, it's your life and you can choose what you put your emotional energy into. And that includes what you communicate with your therapist. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's perfect. If it's not safe, you're not going to want to go talk to them about it because how's it going to be more safe unless you just want them to have that feedback. Yeah. But I also think something I really try to put out there kind of like you do at the beginning on that intake session is I really like to focus on if you feel for any reason that we're not connecting, that I'm not getting you, that I'm not what you need. 
whatever the case may be, please feel comfortable telling me about that. And even if that means that that's telling me that you don't want me to be your therapist, that's okay. I just want to be able to offer you referrals. And so I've gotten to know you a little bit and I can kind of something that, you know, is really important to me, you know, because I took on that outreach role and it's been really important to me to really know who the therapists are we're referring to is to be able to really match those personalities, who, yep. what, who would be a good fit for this person. And yep. I think that's really valuable and a good skill for most therapists to try to cultivate. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, I mentioned too, like you use that word collaborative and I, you know, I mentioned at the very beginning it was daunting for me. And I am a therapist trying to find a therapist. And a lot of that is just because the lingo and the language therapists use like collaborative. And I mean, people generally know what that word means, but in terms of in a therapy context, what does that actually mean about what therapy looks like? Or therapists might say like, oh, I do CBT or I do DBT or, you know, tossing out all these professional words. And I'd say CBT is a pretty common one. A lot of people have heard of. And if you look up therapy styles on the internet, that'll be the first one that will come up the most often, just because it's the one that is the most easily measured and that people have, you know, the most research on, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best fit for everybody. In fact, it's not the best fit for everybody and nothing against CBT. There's some great stuff that it can work on and do, but it's not a good fit for every person and it's not a good fit for Mm -hmm. every issue. And so if you're not feeling sure about what to look for, I'd encourage you to also maybe even just go to like psychology today and just put in your zip code or something like that and just browse through a few profiles. And whenever you find a word or a term that you're not sure what they're talking about, do a little quick Google search and see what it is. And that'll start giving you one or two. And again, you don't have to go extensively research everything. Maybe just pick five or six random profiles on things and read about what those different terms are. And that'll start giving you some ideas of, oh, okay, I think I maybe want some more of this, right? I knew for this third most recent therapist that I want to work with, I was like, I have a pretty high awareness of what (laughs) is happening in my life. Like I understand the dynamics. I don't need to talk about it and figure it out. I just need help because my body and emotional experience, whenever these dynamics start happening is just really intense and overwhelming. And so I need Mm -hmm. support in figuring out how to get my body and my emotions to be calmer whenever these dynamics start happening, right? Like I could tell you all day what the dynamics are, I don't need help with that part, right? So I don't need the talk therapy part as much. I need someone to really help me with the emotional and physical piece, right? So I knew that and I started searching for that. But as you Google some of those terms and all of that, that'll start giving you some idea of what these therapists are talking about. And in the same way, if you reach out to therapists and you don't understand what one of the terms are that they reference, you ask them. And a good therapist will be able to give you like a really quick, easy to understand explanation of what that term or that technique or that therapeutic modality is. Yeah. And I would say a red flag is if you ask them what something is that they're saying that they do and they can't explain it. That's a pretty big red flag. Or they get, or they get defensive. Like again, defensiveness is I think one of the biggest red flags for finding therapists Mm. just across the board. Like if they're getting weird and defensive about anything at all, just move on, go to someone else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that defensiveness and then that 
if they talk about themselves a lot and you can't figure out why. Yeah. I've had several clients who are like, I didn't understand this therapist just felt like they were talking about themselves and there are therapists that do that. And yep. and sometimes there's, there's reasons for that, right? You can create connection and rapport that way um, by sharing things. You can normalize things, but if it feels like they're doing therapy on themselves versus you, then that's probably a pretty big red flag. Yep. Something else that we haven't really mentioned, but I wanted to bring up was common factors. So if you wanted to meet with a therapist and like kind of know what the things are. So common factors are when they do all these measures of different types of therapy, there's the common factors theory, which is that there are certain elements in all therapy that have a positive effect. And so that's kind of used as a confounding variable. Confounding variable just means it could throw off the data. It could be about this versus that, right? And so some common factors that have been found to really affect outcome are having that collaborative consensus around goals for therapy, really feeling an empathic connection, meaning feeling like they care about and are compassionate about your feelings and can relate and reflect your feelings, having that alliance, that connection, right? If you go on a date with someone and like it's awkward, that's not a good connection. That's Mm -hmm. not going to create a good alliance there, right? So we want that really good, strong connection, feeling positive regard and affirmation. This person sees you as a positive person and is accepting of you and sees the good in you. And congruence and genuineness, what they say and what they mean, they feel honest, they feel genuine, they don't feel like they're hiding anything. And then the last common factor is just differences in therapist personality and if that's a match for you. And so I think those are important things to look out for too. But I think all of those can be summed up in what you said earlier, Audrey, which is trust and safety. All these things are senses. All these things are felt experiences that allow us to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on that note, too, I'd also just add there can be an element of anxiety and discomfort going into therapy just because it's therapy, right? I'm going in and I'm sitting in this room and I haven't met with this person before or like we're about to talk about some deep stuff that I haven't ever really talked about too much or anything like that. So practice just some checking in with yourself regularly around, okay, how much of this is my nerves around therapy and being vulnerable and working on some of this stuff and all of this? And then how Mm -hmm. much is maybe the actual therapist? I don't feel very comfortable with them. And sometimes that might take you a couple sessions to tease out. Um, and that's okay, but I would encourage you to really think about that piece also, because sometimes therapy is uncomfortable. You are stirring the pot. Sometimes it can bring up stuff or make you feel more emotional or have certain things, certain elements of life feel a little bit more challenging just because, you know, we're actually going into it rather than just leaving it kind of back on the back burner and all of that. So, There's that piece that's part of therapy. And at the same time, if therapy is working well, it's going to make you're going to understand why it's happening. Your therapist is going to be working with you to help make sense out of what's going on and why certain things are feeling more difficult. You're going to understand and know what's going on. It's not going to be, oh, I'm just feeling raw or overly emotional or just out of control and I don't understand what's going on or whenever I go to therapy I just feel like that therapist isn't really explaining it or Mm -hmm. not supporting me in figuring out why this is going on or it doesn't feel like we're actually making any progress so there's some differences there too and so I'm just being aware of that and also noticing how your therapist supports you when you express some of that stuff that's going on those will be important things that can support you through that process 
also. Cause you, you, yeah. you deserve someone that takes the time to explain things that goes at a pace that works for you. That validates whatever it is that you're saying that you need, you know, if you need to slow down or you need to take a break from a topic or you don't understand what's going on, that they take the time to really support you in feeling some groundedness and also just some general understanding of what's happening as you move through some of the more uncomfortable parts of the process. Yeah. And that tracking with you is kind of, I feel like that's what you're talking about. Tracking with you, staying with you, seeing where you're at. Something that stuck with me that I got at a training for working with kids in trauma that is just in my mind all the time is a good therapist doesn't open a wound. There won't be time to stitch back up. Yep. And so that therapist is in charge of the time for the session and knowing when it's time to start calming down and giving you skills, not sending you out in the world raw. Right. That's kind of Mm -hmm. what you're saying that, you know, their job is to be aware of if she leaves right now, is she just going to bleed out? emotionally just like a doctor would do with your physical our mental health is important to have some type of feeling of support and security as we leave session so that's important too how do you feel when you leave session yep and it doesn't mean you're going to feel great or digging into hard things but it's going to mean you're not going to feel like you're spinning out while you're walking out of session Mm -hmm. yeah so just a couple more things really quick. So for those um people who may be in graduate school or interns that are training to be therapists, what might be some helpful things do you think that you wish maybe you had known or you wish interns you've seen coming out as a supervisor have known in building relationships with their future clients? Well, I'd say for sure, go be a client yourself. If you haven't done that already, go sign up for therapy, even if you feel like you don't have any issues. (laughs) Anybody who feels like they don't have issues Maybe has this probably issue. has an issue. Every, everybody, everybody <laughs> has some stuff that they can grow in, yeah. right? It may not be you're you might actually be functioning in your life fine, but we can also always learn. And therapy can be a great place for that. You don't have to wait until you're in a crisis. So I'd say go sign up and be a client yourself, even if you just do three or four sessions and that's it. You need to be on the other side of that to understand and really get a feel for how vulnerable that is. Mm -hmm. And I think it really increases the respect that you'll have for the courage of those clients coming in and being willing to do that. And I think that's one of the biggest things that will shift your perspective as a therapist and also just how you approach and explain things and support clients and hold that space for them and everything. Uh, And then the other thing I do a lot of training with, graduate students and new counselors. And the other thing that I always emphasize with them is like, you can learn all the fancy techniques in the world, but if you don't know how to connect with a client, uh, listen well, reflect back what they're saying accurately, like really track with them and pay attention and check in and make sure you're understanding them and doing all of those just very basic things that are all about that connection and relationship piece we've been talking about, then all the fancy techniques in the world aren't going to matter. None of them are going to be helpful if you can't do those basics. So I always encourage them to just get comfortable with the basics. And I know all the fancy stuff can feel exciting, but until you're comfortable with the basics, you can do some incredible therapy just with the most basic skills and you can learn all the fancy Mm -hmm. stuff in the world and be completely ineffective if you're not connecting well with your clients and making them feel heard and known and supported. So, yeah, 
Because if mm-hmm. they don't feel safe, they're not going to tell you the things they need to tell you. Right. Yep. Yep. 100%. So important. So that's on the therapist side, which I think that is excellent what you said, because those are the most important things. You being seen and being in a relationship where you're accepted and it's okay and your feelings are validated and okay and nobody tries to talk you out of them. Maybe an experience you have never had, but it might be an experience that shows you what you want a healthy relationship to look like. And so, yeah, that is definitely the basis of good therapy. But for those on the other side, how do they know? How do you know when it's time to seek therapy? And I just want to bring up this point that somebody, when I was talking to them about therapy, said to me, they said, isn't that why we have friends? And so I kind of wanted to talk about the difference um, really quick as we come to an end about why we go to therapy. And support groups are really important. And being able to talk to your friends is really important. Uh, But why maybe we want to go seek out a professional to help us process. Yep. So, of course, we have relationships in our support system. Maybe it's a partner or a friend group or family members or community members. You know, maybe we're part of a religious community, whatever. We all need varying levels of support and we need people in all categories, right? Like we need acquaintances and we need friends and we need our close inner circle. Like all of those different people serve a function because no single person can be our one sole source of support because inevitably someone in our life, they're going to have their own stuff going on at some point or they're going to be unavailable or what, you know, like, so we need, that's why we need several people in that support system. And with friends and all of that, partners, those sorts of things, that's great. Talk about your life with them, express your emotions to them, all this other stuff. And at the same time, know that it's a back and forth. There's give and take from both. Um, And they can be there to support. They can even be there to help you problem solve when you need that. But the difference between what you do with friends or partners or whatever, um, and then how you talk with a therapist, when you're in therapy, it's not a back and forth. It's not about the therapist and their feelings, right? Like this is this place where the whole focus of support is just on you. You don't have to give anything (laughs) to support the other, the therapist on the other end. All you're doing is working through and receiving the support from that therapist. And then any of the work that you're doing in the session is about working through your own stuff. So I'd say signs that it may be time to shift to processing some stuff with the therapist would be if you notice you're feeling really stuck or the same types of issues keep coming up or maybe certain emotions just feel really big and it's hard to shake. You notice you keep bringing up the same topic or same types of topics with the same people for a consistent basis. It doesn't mean like you're struggling with something for a week or two and so you bring it up a couple times, but it might mean, yeah, if it's like a month or more or you notice the same, you start noticing patterns, right? Like, oh, hey, I keep noticing the same thing keeps coming up or I notice that I keep choosing these same types of friends or I keep feeling the same type of way in this work situation or these same patterns keep happening or whatever. Then once you start noticing that you're feeling stuck or you're noticing a lot of patterns or you're noticing it feels hard to like shift gears and talk about something else or that you feel consistently like your friends aren't offering you the support that you're really wanting from them. Those might be some signs that maybe finding a therapist could be helpful because one, that therapist can provide you that more focused support and they can also help you start to suss out things like 
Am I really asking for what I need? Am I choosing to be in relationships with people that are providing me the support that I really need or not? Maybe they can help you process mood stuff that might be going on. Maybe you're dealing with depression or anxiety or something like that. Like they can do that more honed in support. Just like you could talk about how you're not feeling well. Maybe you're sick and you could talk to your friends about how you're not feeling well and they can empathize and like drop off soup or whatever, but they can't prescribe you medication and they can't give you medical advice on what to do to like treat your condition. You need to go to a doctor to get that more focused, specialized support in how to recover from that particular thing that's going on. You know, therapy is similar, not exactly the same, but in a similar way. Yeah. Your friends, other relationships can provide some support, like empathize, like, oh man, I'm sorry. That's so hard. You know, even problem solve a little bit, but if you notice that that doesn't feel like enough or you notice it keeps coming up or it's not really shifting and it's been a couple weeks, a month, like starting to be a longer stretch of time, then those are some signs that finding a therapist can be helpful. Yeah. I kind of think of it like, um, I don't know why this came into my mind, but like Habitats for Humanity, you know how this probably feels really weird me saying this. You're like, <laughs> Where is she going? Where is she going right now? But like Habitats for Humanity is like support, right? It's people coming together to build houses for others, right? And everyone has a role and they all kind of have their reasons for being there and they all have kind of their skills that they're bringing to the table. But the person that helps them figure out where those things go, that's the person who designs the house that understands the function, Right. The person who tells them how to build the house. And that's kind of how I think a therapist is. It's somebody who has more of an idea of what the mechanics are around it. Somebody who is trained to understand a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Right. And comes to the table with no expectations, but just, I have an understanding and this is my understanding and I can use this understanding to help you create understanding. Yep. I don't know. What do you think about that? Does that even make sense? Yeah. I mean, I'd say when you're building a house, you need people to help you do the process and you need a contractor that kind of you can go to for more specific like questions of like, hey, here's this really tough thing. Like I need some professional support for this one thing. And there may be other stuff that me and my friends can figure out and, you know, DIY. Right. And then there might be some other things that you want to bring a professional in because it's just tougher. You're not sure you're navigating it in the best way. Like you just need more honed in and specific support and yeah that's great yeah Yeah. awesome thank you very much i really appreciate you coming and doing this with me yeah absolutely thanks for having me thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us reach more listeners please share it with someone you know post about it on social media and leave a rating or review To see what's coming next, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Finn Council or visit our website at finnegancounseling.org. Before I go, I'd also like to thank the people who made this project possible. Our wonderful experts who joined me each episode, our production team at Three Wire Creative, our editor and production assistant, Giselle Dixon, and the amazing leadership team and supporters at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center in Houston, Texas. Until next time.